This morning, Freddie's going to come and read to us from 1 Thessalonians chapter 3 this morning. So, Freddie, why don't you come and read to us from God's Word? Wherefore, when we could no longer forbear, we thought it good to be left at Athens alone, and sent Timotheus, our brother, and minister of God, and our fellow laborer in the gospel of Christ, to establish you and to comfort you concerning your faith, that no man should be moved by these afflictions, for yourselves know that we are appointed thereunto. For verily, when we were with you, we told you before that we should suffer tribulation, even as it came to pass, and ye know. For this cause, when I could no longer forbear, I sent to know your faith, lest by some means the tempter have tempted you, and our labor be in vain. But now, when Timotheus came from you unto us, and brought us good tidings of your faith and charity, and that ye have good remembrance of us always, desiring greatly to see us, as we also to see you. Therefore, brethren, we were comforted over you in all our affliction and distress by your faith. For now we live, if ye stand fast in the Lord. For what thanks can we render to God again for you, for all the joy wherewith we joy for your sakes before our God, night and day, praying exceedingly that we might see your face, and might perfect that which is lacking in your faith. Now God himself and our Father, and our Lord Jesus Christ, direct our way unto you, and the Lord make you to increase and abundant love one toward another, and toward all men, even as we do toward you. To the end he may establish your hearts unblameable in holiness before God, even our Father, at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ with all his saints. Well, I know it's that time of year, the sickness is going around and, and all those things. Thank you for being faithful here today, and I encourage you to maybe look for somebody who is out today not feeling well and let them know that you're praying for them and encourage them as uh, it's so good to be able to come together as a church family, isn't it? So good to be able to come together, look at God's Word together, be encouraged through that, and also be encouraged with one another. This morning as we look at this passage in 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, this is one of these passages that Paul is telling us a lot of different things that are going on. And uh, I want you to really pay attention this morning. It may be one of these passages you kind of have to sit and think through a little bit to understand what he's saying. But I think there's some wonderful, wonderful help in this chapter about what a church ought to be doing for each other and how we ought to be treating one another and how we ought to be cultivating right growth patterns in our spiritual life. You know, what we're doing here is very important. It's very necessary. It's important because God said it's important. God said not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together, that we ought to come together, that we ought to edify one another. Ephesians tells us that we ought to edify one another through songs and hymns and spiritual songs. We've done that. We've sung truth. We're going to hear some truth through God's Word. And it's so important in part of being a local church, part of being a church family, that we are ministering one to another so that we might see spiritual growth happening in each other. Because the reality is, if we're all part of the same body, then if one part of the body is not growing in line with the other parts of the body, then the body becomes deficient, right? And imagine if you were to grow, but your arm were to never grow. Uh, the rest of you grew up, but your arm never did. It would 
cause some issues, right? You'd have to work with an arm that maybe didn't have its full strength. Uh, imagine if you were to grow and your whole body grew and your nose didn't grow in proportion with it. Maybe you'd say, well, it'd work fine, but you would look kind of interesting, wouldn't you? And uh, life and bodies are very important things. And bodies are important that they grow together. And a body has a wonderful way of helping itself to grow, helping to minister to itself, to encourage itself. I had one day several, this has been a couple years ago, I was running outside to uh, take care of something and I, had to go, I went through the garage to go outside and as I went through the garage, there was a bag of trash that had been placed right outside the door. Hadn't made it all the way to the trash can. And uh, I'm sure that never happens in your house. And uh, so as I stepped out the door, I stepped on that bag and in that bag was a light bulb. I stepped on the light bulb. I heard the crunch as the light bulb broke but I more felt the pain as my foot got a big cut in it from that light bulb. It was not a very fun time, and I still have a scar on my toe to show that. But, of course, what did I do in that moment? You say, I have no idea. Well, I didn't kick holes in the wall. I didn't uh, run around like a crazy person. No, I immediately fell down to the ground and grabbed my foot and began to hold my foot and try to help take care of what was going on with my foot, right? My hands, my arms, all the rest of my body, my brain, everything was focused on taking care of that hurt foot at that time. That's how bodies take care of themselves, right? Or maybe you've been in another situation like I have where you've fallen and cut yourself on your arm and so you get up on your feet and you carry your arm to where it needs to be ministered to. And maybe it's a cut, so you begin to pour hydrogen peroxide on it or put a Band-Aid on it or do something to try to help to take care of your body. That's all normal, natural stuff. And yet, spiritually speaking, in a church, the same thing should be happening. And here in 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, Paul is detailing for us some ways that they cared for each other in the church. Some ways for they ministered to each other in the church. Our theme this year is we're thinking of advancing, taking the next spiritual step. We've talked a little bit in chapters 1 and 2 about going out and winning one, right? Sharing the gospel. We have the right message, the right truth to be able to share, the right hope that Jesus is the Savior. We've talked a little bit about Leading somebody, being able to take somebody along in their spiritual growth path, being able to help lead somebody towards being more like Jesus Christ. And chapter 3 really takes that second idea of leading somebody, but also the idea of following somebody and really works those together. And I hope you'll see that this morning. This morning is one of these messages that maybe I'm not ex at, at running around shouting about, because it's, it's just simple teaching truth for us to grasp and understand this morning. So I hope it will be helpful to you as we look together here. I want to start by reading verses 1 through 5. Freddie already read the whole chapter. But verses 1 through 5 is where we'll focus for a few minutes on our first point. Verse 1 says, Wherefore, when we could no longer forbear, we thought it good to be left at Athens alone and sent Timotheus, our brother and minister of God, and our fellow labor in the gospel of Christ, to establish you and to comfort you concerning your faith, that no man should be moved by these afflictions. For yourselves know that we are appointed thereunto for 
Verily, when we were with you, we told you before that we should suffer tribulation, even as it came to pass. And ye know, for this cause, when I could no longer forbear, I sent to know your faith, lest by some means the tempter have tempted you, and our labor be in vain. Now, as we look at this chapter, let's get some context of what's going on in these people's lives. You know, sometimes when we read God's Word, it's easy for us to forget that when God wrote the Word of God using holy men to write down what He told them to say, they were writing to actual people. I mean, here in 1 Thessalonians, who is He writing to? He's writing to a group of Christians in a city by the name of Thessalonica. And if you go back to the book of Acts, you can read beginning in chapter 17 about what was going on in this city. Did you know that when these people began to trust God and follow God, that some of them were literally taken by force from their houses? They were taken down to the government officials of that day, and they were accused. Some of them were beaten. They were persecuted. They were told, don't do this ever again. They went through some serious persecution for their faith. Now, I don't know what that's like. That's never happened to me. And I'm guessing it hasn't happened to most of us in this room. But I think it's helpful for us to understand how these people responded in a place where there was great persecution and great struggle because it helps us understand how to live even in our regular day-to-day life. Sometimes an extreme situation helps us to understand what it's like in a regular type of situation. And here in verses 1 through 5, Paul is saying, he says, I was at Athens. You say, what's he talking about? Well, Athens, you know the city of Athens. This is the city there in Greece. Paul had preached in Thessalonica. He had established a church there with with, uh, Silas and Timothy, and then they traveled on to start churches in other cities. So they had made their way to Athens. While they're there, Paul hears about the struggle going on back in Thessalonica. And so Paul says, we're going to send Timothy, or as he says here, Timotheus, we're going to send Timothy back to check on these people and see how they're doing. You see, Paul cared about this church. Paul loved this church. Paul loved these people. Paul was doing what he could to support them. He sent Timothy back, as you see there in verse 2, so that he could establish them, he says, and comfort them concerning their faith. To establish and comfort concerning their faith. Here's the big idea I want you to get from these first first five verses. That a growing faith has the right support system. If you're going to grow well, you need a good support system, don't you? If you're going to grow physically, you need a good support system. If a sports team is going to improve, they need a good coach, right? They, they need a good plan. That often a professional team will have a, a team manager, have somebody that's in charge of planning their workouts, have somebody that's making sure they're getting good nutrition, right? Someone who's helping them to plan out their schedule. Why? Because they want to grow stronger and bigger and tougher and faster or whatever it is. But in a spiritual sense, for us to grow spiritually as God wants us to grow, we need the right support system. And here in these first five verses, we can see a little bit of the support system that Paul put in place to care for and to minister to this church. See, these people needed help. We all need help, don't we? 
I need help. You need help. We all need help. I want you to see the kind of help that they sent. They sent Timothy, and they sent him, he says here, to establish you. If you carry on the idea in the sentence here, he said, he's telling them he's trying to establish their faith. You see, Timothy came back to help them to grow in their faith. We call this discipleship. Helping somebody to grow in their faith. Helping somebody to become a disciple of Jesus Christ and grow in their understanding of Him. Starts by making a disciple, somebody who doesn't know who Jesus is, introducing them to Jesus so they can become a follower of Christ. But then it's not just leaving them. All right, you're okay now, just figure it out. No, it's then providing the proper support system. And this is what Timothy was doing for this church. He was a young man who Paul had trained in the ministry, who Paul had taught the truth, who Paul had instructed him in the ways of God, and he sends Timothy back to this city, to this little group of believers, to encourage them to establish their faith. What does it mean to establish your faith? Well, it's the idea of strengthening your faith. How do you strengthen your faith? Well, one important way to strengthen your faith is by helping you to understand who your faith is in. Do you know what the Bible says? It says that faith, even the size of a mustard seed, can move a mountain. You say, wow, that's interesting. Now, that would tell me then that it's not so much the amount of faith that I have that's important. It's the object of my faith. Because Jesus is saying, if you even had faith the size of a mustard seed, and a mustard seed is very, very, very small. If you haven't had faith, just this tiny bit of faith, it would be enough to move a mountain from one place to another. You say, how is that possible? Because I would tell you this morning, the issue so much is not the amount of faith that you have. It's who your faith is in. And I would ask you this morning, who's your faith in? Because the reality is you and I are going to have times when we feel really strong in our faith, like, oh, I have lots of faith today, and then something bad's going to happen, and you go, I don't feel like I have any faith at all. And our amount of faith seems like it comes and goes. But what ought to never change for us is who our faith is in. Who's your faith in this morning? Who or what do you place your hope in? Is it in God, the Creator, Jesus, your Savior? The Holy Spirit, the one who works in and through us to help us, to guide us into truth. See, when Timothy came, he came to help establish this church in their faith, to strengthen their faith. Now, that happens in a lot of ways. It happens through teaching the truth, right? So you learn to understand more of who God is and understand what he's like. It happens when you read the Bible and you begin to see, wow, you mean to tell me that God split the Red Sea, that Jesus calmed a storm, that Jesus could make blind people see and he could take dead people and bring them back to life? Yes, he can. So thankful that he can. But you also mean to tell me that the Bible says that Jesus loves me, that he'll never leave me, he'll never forsake me, that he's always with me, that he, God has created this, he has organized this thing called the church, to be a family, a body where we can get encouragement, we can get help, we, we can find hope because there are other people trying to go the same direction I'm trying to go. 
See, this is what Timothy came to do, to establish them in their faith. This goes along with our idea of leading somebody, leading somebody forward. Who can I be leading forward in their faith? Who can you be leading forward in their faith? If we have faith in Jesus Christ, if you have trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, there's somebody you could lead to where you're at. But see, this was a church that also needed to follow at the same time, right? They needed somebody to follow, somebody to help them. Notice he didn't come just to establish them, strengthen their faith by teaching them more of who God is and helping them to grow stronger in their faith. He also came, it says, to comfort them. To comfort them concerning their faith. And why do you need comfort? Why? We need comfort when we feel weak. As he says in the next verse, when there are afflictions. Afflictions. That's pain. That's suffering. That's difficulty. Did this church at Thessalonica go through affliction? They absolutely did. They faced some great affliction. Imagine being taken out of your home by force by government officials because and only because you were trying to tell people about Jesus. So that doesn't sound like freedom of speech. No, they didn't have that. They were afflicted. He says because, that no man should be moved by these afflictions. Notice at the end of verse 3, he says, For yourselves know that we were appointed thereunto. In other words, here's what he's saying. If you follow Jesus, there might be some afflictions that come along with that. There might be some difficulty, some pain. Sometimes we get the idea, well, I'm a follower of Christ. Everything in my life ought to work out perfectly now. But that's just something that we made up because it's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches that all those that follow Christ Jesus, there is those that will suffer persecution. Let me read to you Philippians 1.29. It says, For unto you it is given in the behalf of Christ not only to believe on Him, that would be the idea of being established in your faith maybe, but also to suffer for His sake. Say, so this doesn't sound like a very encouraging message this morning. Well, it's not encouraging to know that you're going to suffer, but I think it is encouraging to know that God's already put a plan in place to help you when you do suffer. See, Timothy came to establish them in the faith, to provide comfort. And that's something that we ought to be doing when we're discipling other people, right? You're helping them to grow in their faith. When they have questions, and we all do, don't we? To be able to show them the answers. Here's what God's Word says. When they have concerns, when life has thrown them a curveball and they're not sure what to do with it, to say, let me encourage you, God is real. Jesus is there. Here's the truth. He can help you through this. Here's how God taught me through a situation like this. Here's how God helped me through a situation that I've been through. The Bible says over in 2 Corinthians, in chapter 1, it talks about some of the trouble and affliction that we go through. And the Bible says that sometimes that happens for the purpose of giving us comfort so that we might then comfort others wherewith we have been comforted. Have you ever gone through something hard and you said, why would God allow me to go through this? Well, perhaps God has something to teach you. But maybe God has something to teach somebody else through you. 
And God loves everybody. You mean to tell me that God loves everybody enough that He would allow me to suffer so that He could help somebody else? Yeah. Yeah, He does. But He also loves you enough that He might allow someone else, one of His other children, to go through some suffering to help you. See, this is what's happening in a church here is Paul sends Timothy back to establish, to comfort these people. Discipleship is necessary because of the hard times that will come. It's so important. It's how we get established in our faith, how we are comforted in our faith. I like to think of this idea, that it should be our goal that there should be no sheep left behind. Bible speaks of us as believers and calls us sheep. Why? Because sheep need a shepherd. Really, it speaks not just of believers as sheep, but all people as sheep. All we like sheep, Isaiah says, has gone, have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord hath laid on him, that's Jesus, the iniquity of us all. But even when we turn and follow Christ, now we're sheep, but now we have the good shepherd. Jesus is our good shepherd, and he'll lead us, he'll help us. But it should be our goal as a church not to let any sheep get left behind. How do we do that? Well, we strengthen, establish people in their faith. How do we do that? We comfort people in their faith because the hard times will come. Hard times will come. I can think of many situations, even in our church over the past few months, of new believers in Christ, some of you who have shared things with me of very difficult situations that you've gone through. But I was so thankful to hear in, in several of those situations where someone else in the church came alongside, prayed with them, encouraged them, shared the truth of God's word with them, and they were able to get through that difficulty because they had somebody else there alongside to help strengthen their faith and comfort them in their faith. We need that in a church. That's why it's so important that we be leading one, that we be following one. Because a growing faith has the right support system. What's your support system look like this morning? Do you have somebody that you're able to follow? Somebody that you can talk to? Somebody that you can pray with? Somebody that you can study God's Word with? Somebody that you can ask questions to? We all need it. Yes, even me. And I don't mean that in a silly way at all. I need somebody to help me, and I'm thankful for the people that I do have. I have people that I call every week, sometimes multiple times a week. People that I get together with and pray with. People that help to establish, strengthen my faith. People that help to comfort me when I have questions and difficulties and things that I don't have answers for. We all need that. You need that. I need that. And that's part of what should be happening in a church that is cultivating the right growth patterns. But let's continue on here in the chapter because in verses 6 through 10, we see a second big idea here of how we cultivate this right growth pattern and some of the results of what happens as we have the right support structure. Let's read verses 6 through 10. But now... When Timotheus came from you unto us, so right, verses 1 through 5, he sends Timothy to them, to the church at Thessalonica. Now, Timothy has come back 
to Paul, okay? Understand the flow of what's going on here. Timothy came back with a report. He says, and brought us good tidings of your faith and charity and that ye have good remembrance of us always desiring greatly to see us as we also to see you. So very simply in verse 6, what kind of report did Timothy bring? Did he bring a good report or a bad report? He brought a good report. He brought good tidings. That's good news. What was the good news? Well, he brought good news that he says that their faith and good news of their charity. That's their love one for another. He says, and that ye have good remembrance of us, desiring greatly to see us. He says, he brought good news. Your faith is strong. Your love for one another is strong. You desire to see us and we desire to see you. Do you think that news was encouraging to Paul? You bet it was. It absolutely was. Look how encouraging it was. Look at verse 7. He says, Therefore, brethren, we were comforted over you in all our affliction and distress by your faith. Now, some of you Bible scholars, did Paul ever suffer for his faith? Yes, he did. Can anybody think of some of the things that Paul went through for his faith? Just shout them out. What it was some things that Paul suffered for his faith? He was in prison. What else? Shipwrecked. How many times? At least twice. He was beaten. Stoned. Left for dead, by the way, when he was stoned. All kinds of things. We could probably go on. We know when he was shipwrecked, after he got up on the, on the island there, the Bible tells us a snake bit him as he was trying to put firewood out. I mean, all kinds of stuff happened to this guy. Did he have an easy life because he chose to follow God? No. And so he went through some affliction, we would all agree, right? Probably he went through maybe even more affliction than the church at Thessalonica did. But what does Paul say about their report? What does Paul say happened when he heard about their faith, when he heard about their love one for another. What happened for Paul? Verse 7, he says, Brethren, we were comforted over you in all our affliction and distress by your faith. See, this is one of the beauties of being part of the body of Christ. Being part of a local church that is looking to lead others to Christ and lead others in their walk with the Lord. And it's part of the beauty of a church where others are able to follow others. In this sense, in verse 7, it's as if Paul, who is the apostle, Paul, who was the missionary, Paul, who was the preacher, now becomes Paul, who is the follower. He's being comforted by what they did for him. Isn't that neat? When I was reading this and studying through this, I got so encouraged by this particular verse. Because often we think of somebody like Paul as, man, Paul's strong. Paul has great faith. Paul, yes, he goes through all those hard times. He was beaten. He was put in prison. He was stoned. But, I mean, he was a superman. He was just tough. He got through it. I would tell you from reading verse 7, Paul had his own struggles, didn't he? 
Paul was afflicted. Paul maybe even got discouraged. And yet he said, your faith, the report of your love one for another has comforted us. What an encouragement. Look at verse 8. He continues on even stronger now. He says, for now, we live if you stand fast in the Lord. Paul now is saying, we're able to get up in the morning and have life, right? He says, we live if you stand fast in the Lord. Paul's now saying, I have strength because of your strength to stand fast in the Lord. Folks, isn't that the reality though? Aren't there times when you feel weak and you feel like you're struggling and if you have somebody else that's strong spiritually, you can look at them and say, well, if they can do it, maybe I can too. If they're going to be there, maybe I can be there too. You come in, you're struggling, it's hard, you feel weak, you feel down, but what a blessing it is to have somebody come alongside you and put their arm around you and say, I'm praying for you. I want to encourage you. There are weeks that go by. Sometimes I feel better than others, right? This week I'm feeling just a little under the weather. But I was encouraged yesterday by several text messages and phone calls from different people. Pastor, we're praying for you this week. Pastor, we're praying for you tomorrow. Pastor, we're excited about our church. Thank you for what you're doing, and, and here's what we're doing to try to be a help too. I, I had some people this week that encouraged me in a great way. I feel like I'm able to stand and live and be strong because of your faith. And folks, that shouldn't just be happening for the pastor, right? That should be happening for each and every one of us. See, there's a, a reciprocity, if you will, to their spiritual growth. As one party is growing, the other side is able to grow. And when they're strong, now they lift up the other side and we're helping each other. See, a growing faith will give and receive spiritual help. He says in verse 9, For what thanks can we render to God again for you? For all the joy wherewith we joy for your sakes before our God, night and day praying exceedingly that we might see your face and might perfect that which is lacking in your faith. It ought to be our desire to develop learners, lovers, and worshipers of God. We ought to all be growing to be a learner who God is. We ought to grow in our love towards God of what, because of what He's done for me. And that ought to cause us to worship Him. The more we know about Him, the more our love for Him grows, the better we can worship Him together. The better we can say, thank you. God, you are worthy because of what you've done for me, because of who you are. I see some things here that happen when we give and receive spiritual help. Verses 6 through 10, we see some things that take place when we are bringing others along spiritually. And then we also see some things that happen when others are bringing us along spiritually. I want you to see those with me. Here's some of the benefits of leading somebody else, discipling somebody else. It will increase your dependence on God. 
It'll increase your dependence on God. If you're trying to lead somebody else along spiritually, it'll make you depend on God more. You say, why? Because they're going to ask you one of those really hard questions. And you're going to say, I don't know. I never thought about that before. Or they're going to come to you and say, but I'm struggling with this. And you're going to think, I've never struggled with that before. How can I help them? It'll increase your dependence on the Lord. You see this happening as Paul's speaking here as he's writing about Timothy's report. He talks about, in verse 9, he says, For what thanks can we render to God again for you, for all the joy wherewith we joy for your sakes before our God? Paul says, I'm so thankful to God. When we're thankful to God, that's showing our dependence on the Lord. Paul is acknowledging, this is God that's doing the work. See, when we're not involved in helping other people grow spiritually as we should, We can tend to get to the place where we think we're okay. And we think, well, I've got this all figured out. And I've got my life by the horn, so to speak. And it's under control. But now when you start trying to invest in someone else's life, you know what happens? You start to realize, oh, there's a whole lot I don't know. I thought I had it all figured out. And maybe you do for your life, but you definitely don't have it figured out for theirs. My wife and I were laughing about this yesterday. said, you know how it is when you're a first-time parent, and you have your first child, and you look around at your child and you say, my child is so well-behaved. They sleep through the night. They do everything proper. You say, what's wrong with all those other parents out there? We're just the best parents in the world, and if they would just learn from us, we'd be able to help them too. And parents would come in and complain. I remember when I was first um, teaching an adult Sunday school class, I was about 20, 21, 22 years old. I was teaching a group of adults, and this young couple came to church that Sunday, and they came in really late. And me, my very non-judgmental self, I said, what's their problem? Why'd they come in late? You know, that's what I'm thinking, right? And after the time, I said, hey, we missed you this morning. Why were you late? Well, our puppies were up all night, and we had to come to church late. In my heart, I thought, what's their problem? Puppies are easy. Then later on, we got a puppy. (laughs) Same thing happens with kids. Your first kid, maybe they're compliant. They get along well and everything's easy. You think, what's every, why do all these parents have such a hard time? And then you have a second. For some of you, maybe it wasn't your second. For us, it took five to figure it out, evidently. Some of you maybe learned quicker than we did. But each one, you realize, wow, I need to depend on God. I don't have all the answers here. I thought I knew it. I thought I had my life figured out. I thought I was a pretty good person. But the more people you invest in, the more it increases your dependence on the Lord. Because the reality is we can all get to the place where we feel like we've kind of got life figured out. I'm okay. And we get so busy and even sometimes concerned with our own stuff because maybe we don't have our own life figured out and our own life feels pretty tough. But I would encourage you that investing in somebody else will help you to increase your dependence on the Lord. But that's not the only thing that it does. It also, and this goes along with dependence though, it increases your humility. Your humility before God. He speaks here, 
that it is His desire, He says, night and day, praying exceedingly that we might see your face and might perfect that which is lacking in your faith. He's praying that He could see these people, that He could be with these people, that He might help them grow. But He realizes, and He talks about this in another passage here in chapter 2, He says, we wanted to come, but Satan hindered us. We couldn't get there. To be able to invest in somebody else requires great humility before God. And you say, well, I don't have that humility, so I can't do it. No, it'll grow you in your humility. Just like you weren't ready to have kids before you had your first child. But it'll grow you in your humility to have children, won't it? It'll show you that you're a pretty selfish person. (laughs) And you're not all that you thought you were. It helps you to grow when you start ministering to somebody else. It grows you in your dependence on God and your humility before God. It'll also increase your joy in the Lord. We see Paul over and over here in this passage speaking of his joy. He says, we were comforted. He says, then all the joy wherewith we joy for your sakes before the Lord. You want to have the joy of the Lord? The Bible says the joy of the Lord is your strength, right? So thankful that the joy of the Lord is my strength. Here's a good way to get the joy of the Lord. Start investing your life in somebody else. Finding somebody that you can lead spiritually. You know why? Because there will come days that your faith feels weak. That you will feel afflicted and persecuted. But as you're investing in somebody else and you see their spiritual growth, right? We're cultivating right growth patterns. As you see their spiritual growth, you come away and say, I'm encouraged. God's still at work. Yes, my life is hard, but God is still good. God is still working. I can still see Him at work. It doesn't always happen the way I want it to happen in the time that I want it to happen in. But God is still at work. It will increase your joy in the Lord. Because when we live our life only focused on our own set of circumstances, we can tend to be up and down and up and down. But when we get our eyes off of just ourselves. And helping other people. Sure, those people go up and down too. But maybe when they're up, we might be down. It'll help to live us, lift us up. And maybe when they're down, we're up. And we help to lift them up. And the body grows spiritually and physically. But too many times, people exist even in a church like this. And we come on a Sunday. We worship God together and then we go home. And that's the last contact we have throughout the week. Folks, that's not how God set up the church to be. And it's not just about attending more and more and more services. Please don't misunderstand my thrust here. It is important to be in church and to hear God's word and to find that. But it also happens outside of the regular service times of the church. It happens in phone calls and emails and text messages. It happens for, with coffee and dinner and getting together with the kids and doing this and that. I know it takes work. I know it takes time. But there's some wonderful benefits to leading somebody else in this process. And there's wonderful benefits to following somebody else. Let me give you a couple of those. Your willingness to follow someone else in your relationship with God will bring you closer to God. It will increase their care for you. See, 
this church at Thessalonica was willing to follow Paul, Silas, and Timothy. And what did it say when Timothy came back? He said, you brought good tidings. You long to see us as much as we long to see you. Isn't that neat? There's a relationship developing here. Instead of this church just seeing Paul as some guy that was there for a while and then he left, how did Paul show he cared? He sent Timothy back to him. Paul said, I'm going to still try to help you, still try to lead you, still try to encourage you. And what did that do? It caused those people to care for Paul as much as Paul cared for them. You want to develop relationships with people? Sometimes we feel very disconnected in our lives, don't we? Kind of go over here and do this and go over there and do that, but I'm not really connected with anybody. We live in a day and age with technology that people are more and more and more connected, but really, in some ways, it's caused us to be more and more disconnected. And the church has an answer for that. This is where real spiritual connections can happen and physical connections as people get to know one another and encourage one another, and it increases their care one for another. I am so thankful for the people that I get to meet with during the week and study God's Word with and pray with and encourage. You know, those are some of the people I'm most excited to see on Sundays. Hey, that's my friend now, because we spend a lot of time together. Now, you know and I know you can't physically spend time with every single person in this room one-on-one throughout the week. But you could probably with one person in this room. Find one person that you could lead or one person that you can follow, and there's a wonderful encouragement that happens there. It'll increase their care for you. It will increase also their prayer for you. Did you notice there at the end of verse 10, Paul says, Night and day, praying exceedingly that we might see your face. Would you like to have somebody that's praying for you night and day? I know I would. I got a text message yesterday, as I do every week, from a friend of mine. He's a good bit older than me. He texts me every week. Here's what I prayed for you this week. Been praying for you every day this week. I get that little text. I text him back, thank you. I was praying for you this week too. That's an encouragement. I look forward to that every Saturday. I'm just waiting for that text. Sometimes it comes at 10 in the morning. Sometimes it comes at 4 in the afternoon. Last night, came at about 11.30. But I got that text. I was encouraged by that to know that, that he's praying. Isn't it funny, those little things you find yourself start looking forward to? And hoping, and boy, if it didn't happen, you'd kind of be like, what? Is everything okay? What's wrong? If he didn't text me every week, you know what I'd be doing? I'd be texting him back. Hey, are you okay? What's going on? What's going on in your life? It's increased our care one for another. But sometimes people, even in a church setting, can go weeks and weeks and months and months, and the only time we ever speak to one another is at a Sunday morning service. And then you miss, and you're like, well, I don't even know if anybody even thought about me. Why? Because it's not developing those relationships as it should. If we're going to grow spiritually, it takes effort, doesn't it? It takes a commitment, really, from both sides. You see, Paul's commitment here, he was willing to be left alone. He, he left himself all by himself in a city. And if you read about Paul preaching in Athens, it wasn't the friendliest city to the gospel. He sends one of his helpers 
back to check on them because Paul cared about them so much. It requires some sacrifice to do this. It requires some effort to do it. But it is worth it for the spiritual growth of others, but also for our own spiritual growth. I sure enjoy spending time praying for each of you. I've got a little book that I got this Christmas, a little prayer journal. And I've taken time to write down your names in it. Write down your children's names. Write down some of the needs that I know that are going on in your life, if, if you've shared them with me. And I pray for those things. I've got that little book on my desk, and on the front it says, Prayer Warrior. I don't know if I am one yet, but that's what I want to be. I'm praying for you. And you know what? When I pray for you, it increases my love for you, increases my care about you. When I open that book and start praying over those names and for those situations, I go, oh, wait a minute. They weren't here yesterday. Let, let me check on them and see how they're doing. It reminds me of you. It's developing that relationship. See, when you invest in other people, it grows your care and concern for them. And it grows their, your ability to pray for them. Wouldn't it be great if we were all doing that? If we all had a little book and you had names in it. Maybe you said, I can't keep track of everybody in the church, but maybe you just put down four or five names of people and you say, I'd commit to pray for these people every day. Don't you think God would really do some wonderful things in our church through that, that kind of prayer? As we'd be able to lift up their requests before the Lord, their needs, their concerns. And so God is now working on the situation as we are praying and asking Him to do. And we are also involving ourselves in the care and concern. Because sometimes we don't meet other people's needs just because we don't know about them, right? Or just because we don't think about them. But when we know, we're encouraged, we're spending time in prayer, it sure helps us. Let me finish up this morning. I want you to see in the last 11 through 13, three verses here of the chapter. As we, as we are desiring to cultivate right growth patterns in our church, it begins with right support systems, right? Each one trying to minister to somebody else. Each one looking for someone else to follow. And then as we grow in our faith, there will be a giving and receiving of spiritual health. Finally, this morning, we can see that a growing faith is focused then on the right passion. Look at verse 11. Now God Himself... And our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ direct our way unto you. Paul wants to go see these people. He's praying to God. God, direct us so we can come back. Verse 12, And the Lord make you to increase and abound in love, one toward another, and toward all men, even as we do toward you. Paul's wonderful prayer here. And then verse 13 says, to the end, He may establish your hearts unblameable in holiness before God. Takes us right back to what Timothy was there to do, to establish their faith. Even our Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ with all His saints. He finishes chapter 3, these last three verses, with his prayer. You see, he mentioned it in verse 10. He said, we're praying night and day for you. But what did he pray? That's verses 11, 12, and 13. 
Did you see those three things, really, or two or three ideas that he was praying for for these people? He was praying that he could go to be with them. See, as we're growing spiritually one with another, as there's this leading and following going on in our body, it increases our desire, our passion grows to be together. Paul's praying, God, would you let us be together? Boy, you think about that. When you're praying to be together, that means you're probably going to pray for people who are sick, right? God, help them get well because we want to be together. You're probably going to be praying for people that maybe have car troubles. God, I pray that their car would get fixed or maybe I can figure out how to help them get it fixed because we want to be together. I want to be able to meet their needs. I want to be able to help them so that we can be together. Isn't this a beautiful thing going on here? He's praying that they could be together, that God would allow them to be together. We see here, I wrote it this way, there's a passion for spiritual fellowship. Be together. We also see in verse number 12, there's a passion or desire, this prayer to God. He says that the Lord make you to increase and abound in love one toward another and toward all men, even as we do towards you. There's a passion to see our love for each other grow. Because that's what should be happening. We ought to love each other more because we spend more time together, because we study God's Word together, because we're growing spiritually together. This is what is happening. Think about it. Wouldn't you love to be part of a church that people actually enjoy being together one with another? Wouldn't you like to be part of a church where people actually were growing in their love one toward another? And this is what he's praying for. This is his desire. Folks, this ought to be our desire. This is my desire. But how did that all happen? Very simply, Paul, it started Paul sending Timothy because he cared about it. He's willing to give up something of his own, something that was precious to him to go minister to somebody else. Paul was willing to pray and to send Timothy and to give up his own comfort. And then Timothy went to establish and comfort them in their faith. This doesn't happen by accident, is what I'm trying to say. It's on purpose. It took work. It was his desire that they could be together. It was his desire, his passion, that their love for each other would grow. And then he says in verse 13, the last thing, his last passion, to the end. He may establish your hearts unblameable in holiness before God, even our Father, at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ with all His saints. There's a passion to be established in the truth. Because here's what happens as people enjoy being together. When you enjoy being together with somebody, your love grows for that person, doesn't it? And if you really love somebody, you're going to care about their spiritual well-being, aren't you? You want them to be established in the truth, in holiness, in righteousness, unblameable before God. Why? Because if I really love you, I know that you and I are going to stand before God someday. And I want you to be able to stand before God unblameable because I want to stand before God unblameable. I want you to be able to receive crowns and rewards in heaven someday. Because I want to. Most importantly, because I love you. 
And see, this is a wonderful thing that starts happening because then if you see somebody struggling, what happens? You go along and you try to encourage them and help them. Why? Because you want to be with them. Because you love them. Because you want them to be established in their faith so that someday when you stand before the Lord, you might be able to stand there together and say, God, we served you faithfully. This is my friend right here. He helped me and I helped him. And together, we're here standing before you, God. Holy, unblameable, righteous. It's really neat to see what happens as this church is developing the right growth patterns. I would ask you, where are you at in this process? It's very easy for us all to kind of say, well, that was interesting how they did it, but that was then and this is now. And that's true. That was then and this is now. But the truth hasn't changed, has it? God's Word still works. Jesus still saves. The Bible is still true. Relationships are still a wonderful thing if they're based on the Lord Jesus Christ and on His truth. The question for us really comes is, am I going to do my part to win one, to lead one, to follow one, so that we all might continue to take one, right? Continue to take those spiritual steps that God wants us to take. It was happening in this church, and this church was growing in strength. It was growing in love one for another. It was growing in their desire to be together. And it was growing in their holiness and righteousness before God. It's a beautiful thing when it works, isn't it? And it will work when we do it God's ways, because God's ways always work. I would just ask you this morning to consider your own heart. Say, God, how can I be a part of this? I realize we all have different schedules. We all have different responsibilities and different things in our lives. And you need to take care of the things that are important. But make sure your priority list is in the right order. That God is first. That you're serving Him with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Say, God, maybe I need, there's something I'm going to have to give up to put this where it needs to be in the right priority. Or maybe it's not a matter of giving something up. It's just reorganizing your schedule a little bit. Or maybe you're one of those rare people that has large, open, empty blocks of time in your schedule. And it's just adding something else in. Whatever the case may be this morning, I hope that you'll consider what was going on in the church at Thessalonica and that you might have a desire for that to happen right here. I think it already is to some extent. But I think it can always be better. I think I could always do better. A few of you could do better. Some of you already... No, I'm teasing. But we can all get better, can't we? In our walk with the Lord. And I hope that you'll do that. Let's stand together this morning for a word of prayer. As we close our service, the piano will come and pianist will come and play the piano. And uh, we will close in prayer. But if God's spoken to your heart this morning about one of these things... Maybe it's something you need to talk to me about. You say, Pastor, I need to be part of this. I want to help with this. Here's what God's speaking about me doing. Maybe you're still processing on that. If that's the case, that's just fine. This is a time for us to just talk to God and let God talk to us. Let's bow our heads, close our eyes. We'll have a word of prayer. And then we'll remain with our heads bowed as the piano plays. Father, we, we pray that you'd help us. Help us to follow you in obedience. Lord, I pray that you'd help our church to catch 
this passion that Paul is sharing with us. That we might understand what a great thing this could be to have a church that enjoys being together. To have a church that really loves one another. To have a church that's growing in holiness and righteousness before you. Help each of us to consider what part you would have us to play in the body that is our church. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.